What is up, guys? You're tuning into this Okiru podcast. I'm your co-host Jasper, and we thank you so much for spending this time with us. We hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure to follow us on our socials at Okiru Apparel on Instagram, Okiru on Facebook, Okiru on YouTube, and also Okiru on major platforms such as Spotify and Apple Music. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. We hope you enjoy. Okay. What is up, guys? We are joined by our good friend JP and Lim Nguyen. What yo, is going yo, on? Yo. What's up, boys? What's up? How are we doing? Very good today. You know, it's been a while since we've been trying to get this podcast organized. We finally get it done. What's been happening between then and when we started doing this stuff? I'll let the new starter come on. <laughs> you can answer live. that question. Fuck, <laughs> man. I've been up to a, a lot of things, really. Uh, my life, mainly my yoga. I've recently graduated as a official certified yoga teacher. So Congratulations. That's no, but that's only the start, right? Mm. So I've recently received a scholarship for another yoga course no way. as well. Nice. Yeah, so seems like the yoga world wants to invest in my stories. So oh, that's, that's super, super fucking exciting. Yeah, it is. So what is that story they want to invest in? Look, so I've been telling people that that the yoga has been helping me with the work, right? Mm-hmm. The work is looking inside, acknowledging whatever your feelings are, accepting them, being comfortable and, and courageous to be able to to share that because mm-hmm. it's not easy and it's not it easy like you is. you make some some progress and then you you slip back mm-hmm. right because old habits are hard to change yeah mm-hmm. so yeah a lot a lot has been happening why yeah. do you think it's hard for us to express like those feelings and really dig deep inside ourselves that vulnerability man it's mm. scary mm. right to expose yourself to to be judged right yeah mm. Mm. how can we well how did you overcome that fear of judgment or is that something you're still working on yeah i work on it every day mm. right and it's just putting yourself out of your comfort zone really um i've been able to to push out of this through i guess my travels mm. around the world I travel a lot by myself. You rock up at a place. You have no idea who anybody is. You mm. you rock up in a hostel and there's tens of people, hundreds mm. of people sometimes. Yeah. And then you see people just like partying together and at a table together and, and you just have to go, hey, can I join you guys? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and usually what happens is they're just like, oh, yeah, sweet. Come, come, come join mm. us. Have a drink. And then you immediately become best friends and mm. and, and, and all that, right? So travel yeah. for me has been has been very, very influential mm. in, in how I've been able to push past yeah. certain feelings. Sure, sure. Mm. Sometimes it just takes that five seconds of courage to just, you know, just go in there. Easier said than yeah. done. Like this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the one thing I like when I was looking at your your feed, your Instagram feed, is the one, the uh, all your travels that you've been to so many different places. So I wanted to know what brought you to that, like wanting to travel and explore different places. So one of the most, one of the most uh, trips that have been impactful for me at the start was 2017, where I went to Iran. 
I was already going to Bali with my family, right? We're like, oh yeah, family holiday, let's all catch up and chill and, and make some memories together. Mm-hmm. And then they wanted to go home earlier. They wanted to spend two weeks there and I'm like, I'm going to take more leave, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, wait, this is a separate trip. But how I plan my trips is I want it to be cheap. Mm. I want to minimize any flights. So I prefer to travel on the road. Mm-hmm. So when I was in Bali, I went on Skyscanner and I put Bali to anywhere. <laughs> and then when I looked at the prices of the flights, Sri Lanka came up mm. and I was like, hmm, 200 bucks for a flight to Bali to Sri Lanka. Sweet, let's do it. Wow. Right. And then I've typed in Melbourne to anywhere mm-hmm. a couple of years later. And that led me to Iran because mm-hmm. Iran completely out there no one knows much about it um it's a beautiful country beautiful people Mm. and i want to put myself outside of this little bubble that we find ourselves in the the western world yes (laughs) right there's there's a lot of life out there beyond uh america's sphere of influence if Mm. if you want to put it that way for sure for sure yeah well, I know JP and you have traveled quite a bit. What was your experiences, you know, with them? It was really um, eye-opening to me because, as you guys know, I'm very, I love to plan. <laughs> I love to ensure things go right. I love time boxing stuff. If things goes off plan, I have like plan B, plan C, mm-hmm. plan D always in the back of my head. But one thing that I really learned about, um, and this was probably the Indian trip we went to, was mm. that I, I, I tried to just go in there with a bit less planning mm. even though my less planning yeah. is probably like super planned to this guy yes. but it's yes. still a bit less planning yes. um but i started to understand kind of a way of when i'm on these trips i'm always time boxed and that pressure of mm. ensuring that things get done that i want to make the most of this experience is always there mm-hmm. because i'm there for two weeks lim how long were you there for you were like there for in india six yeah months. unlimited <laughs> yeah. i didn't have a time limit yeah so mm. that's why um that's that's where it kind of changed and i started mm. thinking about that i'm like this is fun just doing spontaneous things doing things where you have a rough understanding that i want to go from a to b but after b there is no Mm. there is no there is nothing else that i have planned let let kind of the road guide where i want to go Mm -hmm. and it was pretty fun man what we ended up doing we ended up going we chilled at goal for a bit hired a scooter crashed a scooter (laughs) (laughs) scooter. you gotta tell that story (laughs) also uh-huh. We went. We went to India. Um, Goa is kind of like a party partying area in um, in India. A lot of foreigners come there. Birthplace really. of Psytrance. Yeah. So um, we were there. We were chilling with some of um, Lim's mates. So this guy um, Shoki, who has his own startup kind mm-hmm. of thing, um, took us to this place. And pretty much at the end of the night, I was still all right, but. Riding a scooter is different to riding a motorbike. Like yeah. riding a motorbike, easy front brake, mm. use your legs for the back brake. Mm. On a scooter, the, both, both <laughs> of the brakes are at the front. Mm. Yeah? So I had to go over this ditch mm. and me, mm. accelerator on a bit, mm. hand on the front brake, mm. going a bit forward. But when you go over a ditch, mm. your front wheel goes up a bit, yeah? <laughs> yeah. So what happens to those brakes? I <laughs> got my hand on the accelerator, slowly running my brake, front wheel goes up and I just zoom <laughs> across, across the road. Yeah. Well, luckily there was like a small ditch that caught me, but man, that, was, that was not a fun experience. Yeah, 2.30 a.m. It's not, not, not a great time. To, in a foreign country, not a great just time. Just panadol, yeah, panadol was a substance, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> 
then what you guys yeah and then it was funny because like there's just this indian lady um next to us just yelling at us she's like because um shoki he knows the language of course so he's translating afterwards he's like man she's just yelling at you guys like bloody foreigners he me knowing that it was just a small mistake because like i've never ridden a scooter before yeah but yeah but that, that was pretty funny <laughs> What have oh yeah. oh, no, yeah. you got, another you got, one mm. that was funny when you were talking about planning, yeah. right? This was mm. in Vietnam. I think mm. the first time JP and I traveled together and we're going from Dalat to Saigon and I didn't have accommodation booked because mm. I realized I can arrive and they just, Hey, jump in a hotel and yeah. look for a room. Right. And JP was getting very <laughs> anxious, <laughs> super anxious. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it later. I'll book it later. No worries. It's cool. <laughs> And he was getting pissed at me. <laughs> he was so worried that um, we didn't have a place to land yeah. on the other yeah. side. It was after mm. a flight, right? Yeah, because that was kind of like my first kind of big solo trip out, yeah. of, out of Australia. I was traveling with a few mates. Mm. So I was traveling limbs, yeah, especially. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just kind of something where I like to know that I have somewhere to sleep right, at least. Right. <laughs> and like, I, I didn't, I, I didn't have this concept of like what Lim was saying, where you can just go somewhere and find a place to stay. It's, it's not that hard to mm. do it. Um, but for me being a solo traveler, first time traveler, of course, yeah. you've got that kind of fear of like, am I going to stay Yeah, I'm kind of the same where mm. I need everything to, or not everything, but I need some sort of plan to know, mm. oh, because having that unknown feeling of, oh, where am I going to sleep? Oh, am I going to sleep on the street tonight? <laughs> that's <laughs> the best feeling, actually. That's, that's the sense of adventure that I, mm. I like to cultivate. Right. Right. I think I'm kind of more like a live, like mm. I'm just... Mm easy going like in the mm. moment like if i plan something i'm you know i'm not as mm. anal about it as you guys i'm just kind of mm. like we'll see what happens you yeah. know type of thing mm. have you had that experience like where you actually had to sleep on the street for the, <laughs> or like in a pretty dodgy place or no i've always been able to to find a place to, to sleep mm -mm. there are a few instances where i've had to sleep in like in Malaysia, when I uh, recently, 2019, mm -hmm. so I arrived early morning. I like to go Air Asia because I get to spend 10, Asia, 10 hours in Malaysia for a stopover, go mm -hmm. have some chicken and rice and go <laughs> catch up with a mate, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's a free trip to Malaysia. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think I landed there at 6 a.m. Nothing was open. So yeah. I just like went to the park, slept on a bench. <laughs> you do things like this because it's just like... Like I'm, I'm, I'm a male. I'm, I'm not scared of getting raped or anything like that. So I've got that, um, I've got that going for me. But recently, I've, I've travelled with my car, right? So I mm -hmm. took out the seats and I put a bed in there. And um, I was in Nimbin on the way back home to Melbourne on this time, and, mm -hmm. and I just thought seventy bucks to to pay for a night in the hotel. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to pay that. I'll yeah. just sleep in the car, and mm -hmm. um, it. It, sometimes it feels unsafe because there's people walking around. I didn't know where to park my car. And at one point, someone's like knocking on the door. Hey, who's there? And shining a light in. I'm like, shit myself. And I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night because my, my whole nervous system was like pumping. Right? So you get into like weird situations where it's not fun as well, but it's all part of, it's all part of the fun yeah. at the end of the day. It's kind of, I guess it's kind of that assessment of like, especially for us, I think it's, it's a bit easier. It's a bit lax for us because we're, we're pretty big guys. <laughs> um, but it's also that sense of uncertainty because is that part of our 
upbringing every time you used to travel with your parents every time you used to travel mm. like I, i remember in the philippines when i used to travel with my parents um it was always be careful you're gonna mm. you're gonna get kidnapped yeah. you're a foreigner they know you're a foreigner something bad's yeah. gonna happen and i think i kind of put this when me and lim went to philippines at one time lim was like we were in a random town on the way to like Baguio, mm. Benawe, like that that kind of region and this guy's just wandering the streets 10 p.m at night and me me thinking <laughs> This is also the first trip I've had with just Lim um without without my parents in Philippines and like this was we did Philippines and Vietnam but then mm. um he's just wandering 10 p.m at night walking around I'm like mate man we're going to die Well <laughs> 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 yeah I was just like we're going to die man but then at the end of it we just ended up walking around mm. there was like yeah, random karaoke yeah. bars open mm. at like Night and then I think from there. Where was I of... wandering around at 10 p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I can't remember. It was it was probably in Banawe because I remember that was the time when we um we were trying beetle nut. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So we had to, like, I remember just like during that big hike the next day and then around that area and we were just in like this secluded um it was pretty much just like a farm. I remember we were just yeah, on a farm. Yeah, like okay. it's a small farm. Then like there's a, a small strip of like everyone mm. there just chilling like. No one was there like it was town it was just like a stopover town that's what i remember yeah. mm. okay so I, i i recall you being very anxious yeah. in manila as yeah. well just outside your uncle's place mm-hmm. and and it was just some normal streets to me just just mm. outside on the outskirts yeah, of the city yeah, in the suburbs yeah. and mm-hmm. and i'm like hey what's the big deal with this i want to go mm. outside and get some like barbecue skewers or something yeah. like that and just just chill out and but jp's like don't yeah. go don't go without yeah. me yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an yeah. upbringing that we have yeah. 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 our parents yeah. who, every time we went there they were always like be careful be safe mm. and i think it just continued to True. cause us that kind of men- like mm, that, that mentality yeah, to say fair. hey but now now like when we went to Cebu that one time yeah. with these guys like we were just going around yeah. doing mm-hmm. our own thing because we knew now we're like man we don't need to be scared man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these Filipino guys are short well like it, it was kind of like that where it's like it, you kind of grow out of that fear and angst that mm-hmm. your i guess your parents instilled into you when you were younger mm-hmm. and kind of go on your own adventure mm-hmm. which comes to being fun i agree mm-hmm. it was being fun like that time we went out to cebu like yeah yeah i can even think of like bringing it back to like being told things are dangerous or like in the west but people say oh don't go to the west it's like really dirty and it's like yeah. you won't get stabbed or whatever but we live here we're walking around like it's fine like we mm. we, we we actually live in this circumstance and we're like we're fine exactly so yeah is that you know kind of that generational trauma kind of you initially traumatized by those thoughts that your parents tell you but then when you experience it for yourself it's not as bad as it was said to be What's the definition? Because <laughs> like okay. I've got a basic understanding, mm. but what? So what's what, your what, understanding what's, of it? My understanding is experiences that happened in previous generations, where um, and I'll use this as an example because it kind of resonates with us. Is that parents coming from a third world country having that mentality that everything you like you have to always watch your back, you mm. always have to. take care of each other take care of family you always have to um make sure you have a better future it's it's about that security there you go security security, security is a big word like mm-hmm. back then for third world countries it's all about security because if you don't earn if you don't 
get food. Mm. You just end up mm. on the streets. You end up dying. You end it's up survival. Dying. Yeah, mm. it's survival. survival. Yeah, but mm. then that kind of mentality, and then you having your parents being the first generation to come to a country where you don't really need that security as much. Yes, mm. it's good. It's it's good to have a job. It's good to have food, but some of that stuff, especially in Australia, man, we're so lucky because it's just handed to us. Mm. Um, but it doesn't, that, with that being said, it's still, your parents have instilled this mentality that mm. you need to be, you need to have a job that's secure for you. Be, I said this in the last podcast, I said it in the previous podcast as well, man. Be a nurse, be an engineer, be a, nurse. Be a doctor, <laughs> be an accountant. Yeah, It's like all those things because their main focus is that mm. I want you to have job security so that you can succeed because that's what I was taught to do. Mm. And that's what I had to do back when I was living at home, back in my homeland in Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is what I call generational trauma because it's kind of instilling it down to you. And now that's just a small part because like other 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 people, other people's ancestors have had it worse. Mm-hmm. I'll probably mm-hmm. go to limb for this because like your parents fled Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's that comparing someone fleeing to where our parents kind of left willingly. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different thing. Yeah. How did your parents leave? Well, my, my, aunt, my mom's auntie came to Australia first. Mm. And then um, after a while, it's kind of like, a, well, one person's in Australia. Let's try yeah, the bring the rest yeah, over. Yeah, okay, so yeah, that was a bit easier. Mm. Um, and that, that's what I'm saying. Like where other people, they come to Australia as refugees because yeah. they fled from war-torn countries. How did your auntie make it here? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the exact same thing with me. My, my uncle came here first and then they yeah. brought my dad mm. over. But mm. I have no idea how they got here. Yeah, yeah, yeah you should find out. I I should, know. Yeah. I'll be curious mm. to see. Mm. And here. But with, so I've spoken about this before and it's this big realization for me, right? Mm-hmm. So I was outside my, my grandma's house um, applying for the yoga scholarship, right? The, the first one. Um, and I made the realization that I come from two generations of refugees. Right. So it's not just my parents, mm. it's my grandparents yeah. as well on both sides. So it was 1954 when... You can you can Google it and, and read on Wikipedia, Operation Passage to Freedom. So a million northern Vietnamese people, including the Catholic community, which my family were a part of, went to the south and, and had to leave everything behind. Um, the communists were, were taking over. They had divided the country mm-hmm. and it just wasn't safe to be there anymore. And this was in times of famine where... My, my grandpa would tell me, look, you have like a, a bit of rice to eat and, and stuff like that, but I had nothing, right? And and then, yeah, they came over, made a new life in the south of Vietnam and then time passed, but the communist kind of movement was was happening and, and continuing and the war broke out. And after the war, um, obviously my parents hung out there for a little bit, saw that, look, this is no place to live. There's no mm. place to stay. So like millions of other Vietnamese people jumped on boats and, and fleed and fled. Fleed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it. It really, really makes me question mm. of, makes me question life and, and how I've been able to get here. 
right? Mm. Like I, I look at myself with a bit of privilege, but I look around and I see so much more privilege. Imagine your parents had, imagine, imagine your parents were like, came from the English first fleet or something like that, right? And they've been able to establish yeah. themselves and they've been here for like, what, 200 years or something mm. like that, right? And, and you go down to Rye or Sorrento and you look at all that old, old money, mm. right? Money mm. that's been passed down for generations. And I guess my family haven't been able to do that because we've had to start from scratch for two generations. Mm. And now that we've landed in Australia, mm. we've, we've got a base and we've we've got opportunities here then we can start building uh what we're building right so but but the trauma is what you're saying is that that mindset of always seeking security because in the past they didn't have it right and what my parents would have had and what my grandparents would have had is a scarcity mindset mm. so we've got nothing let's 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 get something and education is the pathway to that. So that's why you'll see Asian parents whoosh, crack the whip, yeah. Yeah. tiger parents and, and go do your homework or get a good job, go work for the government, get a government job that's always stable. And and I'm guessing um, that's why when you, you tell your parents or Asian parents that you want to become an artist or a dancer <laughs> or something like that, then you're considered a failure. Exactly. Right? Right? It's just that stereotype. Yeah. yeah. It's not understood like that creative realm. Mm. especially in i would say in the asian families like mm. you know i i, I received that mm. and it's it's tough to receive when it's something you're so passionate about yeah mm -hmm. and you don't have that support so mm. you know what is your experiences as well gerald you mm. you had that with engineering and then obviously you turned yeah. into yeah i think i think with the parents they just it's because back in their home country having in the title of I'm a nurse, I'm a doctor, mm. they're really prestigious things. Yeah. And they're like, okay, aim for those things. They're really high. But saying that you're a videographer or hmm. you know, like some mm. sort of artist, they'd be like, isn't that a I, hobby? Bro? Yeah. Like, <laughs> do, do people make money out of that? They, don't, yeah. they still don't know that you can, mm. that, that is something that you can mm. make money from or yeah. be in a secure position in. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. What about you, Zujin? What was your experiences pursuing fashion? We need him on the mic, man. Yeah. Yeah. Come, on, come, on, come, on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Have some experience, man. You know, you're his. This is Zujin, our intern for Okiru. What's going on, Zujin? Not too bad. Just yeah? chilling. So, what are your experiences with your family pursuing what you're doing? Fashion business, was it? Uh, fashion marketing. Yeah. Fashion marketing. Yeah. Mm. Um, definitely was not easy because mm. I told them that I wanted to pursue law at first Ooh. and they were really like pumped Damn. up. They were really hyped Damn. about Damn. it. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. But then truthfully, um, what fashion did to me, it's like it made me express who I am yeah. and express my individuality. So I mm. decided to pursue that. They weren't happy at first. Yeah. Like I won't get too much into it, yeah. but I think once they saw the how passionate I was mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how like how much aspirations I have for yeah. these, how many goals. And um, I think they started to accept it yeah. slowly though. Yeah. And now I'm like towards the end of my degree and I keep showing them how much I've done for this degree. And they're mm. really, really proud. So I think that's all about, yeah. oh, sorry. No, 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 <laughs> it's it's like all about just showing how passionate and how much you're willing to sacrifice. To that's it. And okay. I think the good thing, the yeah. good thing about this and a good thing about that I really love about Okuru is we're able to create this community yeah. of people who have had these struggles of yeah. high expectations from 
parents, from friends, from family mm. who who haven't been as supportive yeah. to them and they're able to kind of say, hey guys, we are here for you. We are here to work together. Yeah. This is a community for us to rise up. I said it, rise <laughs> up, get up. Rise together, man. Yeah, and rise together. And mm. that, that's what I really love about Okuru is that we're able to just create this community mm. of comfort with each exactly. other. So like, like the other day, Gerald and I got some pretty good news from someone because of their newsletter. Like she messaged us, I was like, I don't know. It's like, thank you guys for, I'm getting emotional because of it. Like, you know, the, the, the results are kind of showing. Mm. She was like, oh, because of the newsletter I sent you guys, like I got a big project because of it. And it's like, mm. well, you know, mm. we gave a platform for these people to share their stories and stuff. You don't know what it can lead to, yeah, of course. right? Sometimes it might take a long period of time, but if you keep doing what you're doing, eventually some results will show. And some of those pl- seeds you plant will flower, will blossom. It's just mm. being patient enough for that. And like, we don't want to see anyone like give up on their dreams. Like we had mm. another friend, I won't say who it is, but a part of his business is like kind of falling apart. And to me, it was kind of like, I don't want to see your dreams mm. come crashing down. So I told him like, hey man, whatever happens, let us know what happened. Uh, let us know the outcome and jump on board with us. Mm-hmm. And we'll find, we'll figure out a way we can rise together. We can figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see you succeed in whatever your passions are. So let's come together and we'll work this out. You know, it's just like, man, like, thank you for easing my mind. And that's what you have to do. Sometimes we just need that comfort for each other, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just using what we have, the tools we have and bring value in any way we can. That's what where we kind of stand for, mm-hmm. right? that's beautiful yeah Yeah. building each other up rather than tearing each other down because it's very easy to do that right Mm. it's literally it's very easy (laughs) just to to hate and and you're you don't realize flippant comments that you make that could really bring people down right if if people have poured their heart and soul into drawing a picture and you're Mm. like oh well that looks weird and they're like never draw again Mm. and you don't realize the type of impact that you can make just with your words and i'm I'm guilty of this sometimes i don't have a filter Mm. (laughs) (laughs) if you're guilty of this <laughs> but that's it, right? Like words are free, but they leave an impact on all of our lives. Mm-hmm. So it's we have to not we obviously have a filter, but like yeah, we have to just be able to watch what we say. So how life. many lives have you destroyed then, Jerry? <laughs> 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 Thinking about that. <laughs> you gotta have a lot of ghosts in your dreams yeah. now, man. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like it's something of uh, um, I, I've learned, and for the past few years, it's been something where I've learned not to make, I guess, negative as much negative comments. Because the thing is, like, it, it's a balance. Life, life is a balance of mm. good and bad. Yeah. There's people out there who are amazing, who always share great stuff, but. Mm. If there's a great person out there, there's going to be someone who kind of has that dark emotions as yeah, well. Yeah. And it's not to blame that that bad person or that dark person is is, is to blame. It's like it, it, they were they were probably grown up in a society mm. where they lacked the good as well, and yeah. that's what they were taught. Mm. So so even today, like I've learned that some of the comments that I would have made back then in the past, man, just like look at look at myself back in the past, man. I was like misogynistic, man. I was 
partially racist. But those were the things for me. But moving forward, I've learned, I've, I've taught myself, I've read up on certain things mm. to be accepting of what people want, what people, yeah. who people are. Yeah. And I think it's something that's really good. And it's probably like comes back, like I said, and to, to bring this back to it, it probably comes back to that upbringing of who you were and who you were around. Because back then, of course, mm-hmm. I was around Asian friends, Asian families, especially the Filipino community. Man. <laughs> yeah. Like, how much do these people talk about? It's all gossip, man. Yeah, all chica like, chica, man. Yeah, exactly. It's chica, like, chica. Why, why are you so embedded and focused on other people's lives mm. when you should be focusing on yourself, spreading positivity yeah. to people to be able to say, hey, man, <clears throat> Wow, that's a that's a really good drawing. That's way better than I can yeah. do. His, if if you want some feedback, here's some feedback from mm. me. But I'm not an expert on it. Exactly. Yeah? And if people ask me for feedback, I'm not going to be like, Nah, bro, man, like go figure that yourself. Yeah. Or if some people ask me for help for like technology, I love technology. Mm. I'm going to be there and be like, Oh, here's here's some areas that you can improve on. Here's mm. some stuff that I want you to improve on. Because at the end of the day, I just want to see you do better. Yeah. That's what it exactly, is. Exactly. That's growth. Yeah. That's exactly. Growth. Yeah. That's growth. Wow, man. Like. I don't know. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's because good. and and the learnings that you've had mm. on looking back on yourself. Well, I think when you can look back on yourself and cringe a little bit, mm. it means that that's you're cool. growing. Yeah, yeah. this comfort you see in yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, just oh, shit, I did that. It's like you're oh, sharing your old oh, self. Like, it is. It is. It is. So yeah. you're you're changing happen? each and every day. When does that happen? So Gerald asks, when does that happen? Yeah, when does it happen? So. There's a point like where, like when I look myself back in the past. Come back, come, come back, back, come 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 back. Thank you, Zujin, for coming on. Thank you. Little cameo. There we go. Cameo. Happened because if I if I look back at myself, you know, back in like primary school and stuff like that, I was like, I was bullying. I was a bully and stuff like that. I was like, why you bully? Yeah, I was like, yeah. The the person I look back in past, like. I was like, oh, yeah, you cringe. You're like, oh, I can't believe I was that type of person. Mm. When when do you think that happens where you kind of look back and you go, okay, I want to be a different person now. I realize mm. that my my faults and my mistakes of my past, mm. I want to be someone different. When does that, when do you reckon that realization happens? So for me, the person that you are is always there, mm. right? That inner child. Um, I've, I've read... I've read somewhere that your your ego is similar to a kid, your own kid, um, when you were seven years old, right? So your your environment, your parents speaking to you. If you had a negative upbringing or you had a harsh upbringing, I should say, then the, the voices that that are speaking to you. Um, when you're thinking, that's mm. of your seven year old self. So that's that seven-year-old kid is maybe trying to protect you and then is fearful or sometimes that kid could be like no filter just go out rah, 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 right mm-hmm. it could it could be it's different for everybody mm-hmm. um and so your question was when did that trigger when, when does that trigger of growth happen well it for me i've just been able to observe myself and then mm-hmm. realize that I've just got to let that little kid play, mm. right? And that's how I've been able to be so much more comfortable in my own skin. Mm. And it's 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 just be a kid again. Mm. Um, just go seek 
go seek your fun, go seek your pleasure. But the word for me is just play because mm. work can become play. And then you look back and you're not trying to hide anymore because that kid that's that's running around, jumping on the swings mm. and stuff like that, that could be life right now for, for adults, right? You just have mm. to cultivate that and not hide that away. Like embracing your inner child. Embracing your yeah. inner child and for to become a success it's just letting that little kid live mm, that's yeah. for me um i don't think i answered your question directly. <laughs> <laughs> but with, with, with that kind of in mind like when you say that let that seven-year-old play is it the seven-year-old of who you were in the past or is that that seven-year-old that you wanted to be in the past because i'm going to say this is that some seven-year-olds did not have the opportunity to play some seven-year-olds mm. did not have that kind of what most people would say is that playful joyful hmm. that kind of inquisitive mindset of a seven-year-old to say oh well look at this leaf there's so many patterns on this leaf kind of thing like hmm. so yeah so I, when you talk about that seven-year-old that playful seven-year-old is it your own seven-year-old in the past or is it a seven-year-old that you think you would have enjoyed to be yeah the the seven-year-old that that i was um because for some reason, as I moved from primary school to high school, right, that, that little that little flip, for me, I just went internal for some reason. Mm. I, I went quieter um, mm. and I stopped talking to, not that I stopped talking, I was still, I, I wasn't, I was probably too in, in my head for some reason, right? And and being able to, to pull that kid out again, like I'm, Obviously, I'm, I'm still processing this every day, mm. but it's 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 a bit hard for me to articulate mm. at mm. the moment because it's it's yeah it's it's not something I, I express and I speak mm. about every day, right? So mm. I guess being here and, and talking to you guys has has triggered and and will become part of my practice where I reflect. I'm like, hmm, who's that kid that that I want to cultivate and continue mm. to do so? Like. Um, but for me now, like when I go out and I do handstands, for instance, or I go kick the footy, that that brings me joy because mm-hmm. that's that that little kid mm-hmm. again, just just mm-hmm. roaming around and and no filters, but cultivating that, but having the knowledge now to not tear everybody down and yeah. tell them they've got a shit drawing and <laughs> and continue to build people up, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you've got the sensibilities of an adult now, man. We're mm-hmm. almost. 30, 30 you and I and, and Roldy's like, <laughs> 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 but we're not, we're not kids anymore. But at the same time, we are every day the biggest kids that yeah. where I look in the mirror, I'm still a, a huge kid and, mm. and I've got a big grin on my face and people tell me that you exude and bring so much energy and mm. joy. And, and that's because I've, I've allowed my, my inner child to play, I think. Mm. I think that's a really good thing. Cause like just thinking back in it where, that that phase between that like you said primary school and high school i'm going to say from high school also to uni mm. that kind of transition of you doing your degree and then finishing uni and getting a full-time job it kind of or not even just a full-time job but you're finishing um high school and just getting into a passion that you're into mm-hmm. it, it kind of tells you that i'm not going to be able to kind of support myself for the rest of my oh, like just have my parents support myself for the rest of my life i want to do something for me and like mm. What what I what I found is that that drive to be able to um, become an adult, and I say become an adult, man. Like I've only started becoming an adult. <laughs> like you, you talk about your inner child coming out, man. I think my inner child was 
always with me. <laughs> That's why I was able to just have no filter and just like say dumb shit. Like becoming an adult has kind of made me realize that actually I, I have more than just me now. Like you think about the future that you want to have. Like for me, especially I, I, at some day, I want to get married. I want to have a kid. I want that. I was always family oriented. And I always wanted to kind of have a kid, play with my kid and ensure that they had a really good lifestyle. Um, man, I don't even know where I was going with this story, but like, um, it, it's kind of that, yeah. That like transition that. from yeah, transition. high school to uni you were talking mm, about. Yeah, so that transition between high school and uni kind of taught me because at, at high school, I felt that I was, I was a floater. I never had a clip that I grew up with. Mm. And that's potentially because the high school I went to was very um, white dominated. <laughs> like, yeah, it was very white dominated where um, I'd be hanging out with internationals because they'd love to study. And I was always brought with that uplifting, um, mm. that, that upbringing of you have to be studious. Mm. Um, and then after that, I'd be hanging out with the kids playing soccer on the basketball courts for some reason, mm. <laughs> <laughs> or playing down ball with like the WOG, the ethnic kids. Mm. Um, but then when I went to uni, it's kind of where I started to say, oh, wow, I'm actually really kind of associating myself to these types of people because they know who I am. Mm. They know my upbringing, like Lim. I met Lim during, I met Lim actually, I met Lim during high school, mm. but yeah. we only got really close during uni. Mm. Um, and just understanding that, oh, we, we, we clicked straight away pretty much. Mm. Yeah, like I remember straight that one time where orientation day, me being late, I come in there, I'll just see this other Asian guy, tall Asian guy, just like looking at the back as well. I'm like, oh, mate, is, is this the class? And it's like, see this guy. Like, hey, wait. <laughs> oh, I know you, man. Like, yeah. Whatever happened? Like, what's up? And then from there, we just, what, classes together. No, that was orientation, yeah. like the year before uni, right? Uh, yeah. And then first day of uni, I remember we're at Swanston Street, mm. standing in the corner of Latrobe and Swanston, and I'm just pushing the light. And then I saw JP, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, hey, you're doing that course? Oh yeah, we are too. Yeah. And then the rest is history. Yeah, we've been through heaps together because mm. like he, halfway through uni, he changed degrees to do something that he was more passionate about. Yeah. Mm. But that kind of friendship just never dwindled down. Mm. You've been traveling, we haven't seen each other, we come back together, we connect and it's just like, Back to normal, yeah. yeah like time hasn't passed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think we 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 kind of connect really well because I think we both have that forward plan of like we want to do better for others as well. We kind of want to help others. We kind of want to ensure that we just don't want to be bad people. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're talking about vision. Mm-hmm. Maybe we've we've we're looking further than just tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's how we've been able to mm. connect because you've been wanting to build your career. You're working and building a startup mm. now and things like that. And we've just been able to yeah connect really well uh, over the years. I want to go back to this. Um, how are, do you do your analysis, reflection, introspection? I write every day mm. and I have been for since I've gotten back from India. So since March last year. So since COVID started, that was 2020 and 2021 have been really good to me, to be mm. honest. And and I was at the bar yesterday and I told uh, one of my mates and I felt kind of bad saying that the last two years have been great, right? Mm. Because the period, I sought change before COVID, right? So I quit my high paying job. I went over to 
travel to explore India to to one day make it to Europe right that was my ultimate plan to to go there look for a job and settle not settle there but just continue the adventure mm-hmm. and I've been very lucky in the sense that I caught the last direct flight from Delhi to Melbourne on the 19th of March mm-hmm. so the country closed down I could have been stuck there mm-hmm. and and India was going through a lot of a lot of pain like the rest of the world right but mm-hmm their pain was quite brutal. Like I've, I had other foreigner mates who, who were stuck there and they had to um, rush to the airport, people were hitting them with sticks because they thought it was like a foreign Jeez. disease Jeez. and things like that. Yeah. Um, but we're well, going to introspection, yeah. So through my travels, I realized that I needed to develop some practices that kept me sane because the amount of sites that you could visit while you're on the road, you get sick of it, right? Yeah. You've seen one temple, you've seen it all. You've seen <laughs> one church, you've seen it all, right? You get sick of it. Mm. Um, church fatigue or whatever you want to call it. And so I developed five, I call it my five healing practices, right? So it's for me that I developed this while on, my, on the road was music, meditation, movement, reading and writing. So movement could be yoga, could be stretching, it could be going for a run or... Mm bouldering right um meditation is meditation to sit down take stock of where you are and focus on your breathing music at that time i've been trying to learn the indian bamboo flute right so play a bit of that reading um to consume some beautiful content um on my kindle read some books Mm. i was reading some tantra philosophy from osho at the time and and that was that was beautiful to to live and feel while mm. i was in india and the last one is writing so it's just journaling and just writing my thoughts and feelings down mm. so what that has evolved the writing has evolved for me is a daily practice now so i'll wake up at 6 30 go do my washing and then put the kettle on go back in bed coffee and i'll just type stream of consciousness through my fingers into the keyboard mm. and and just that's the time where it's really heartfelt yeah right there's no other distractions for me and for the rest of the day my head is on <laughs> right you're mm. you're doing you're doing you are um thinking you're planning you're strategizing you're getting shit done mm-hmm. right and it's hard to get shit done with a heart in this type of world mm. so that that time for me when i write and and i feel is is very sacred yeah for me yeah. so to wrap that up yeah my they're called my five healing practices mm-hmm. and when i when you could in yoga philosophy it's called your sadhana so your your spiritual practice mm-hmm. right so that's been mine for the last two years and i've i've been i've i've, I've felt amazing doing it and just taking care of myself in, yeah. in that manner awesome yeah i asked that question because maybe people who listen to this might you know what tools can i use mm. to help myself mm. too yeah and it would be good to you know see what other people use for their introspection their analysis of their life do you mm. guys what about you guys do you do any of any of that or any yeah. habits that you do i think for me it's the the writing as well mm. there's a lot of things that you can jot down because yeah, you're actually present and yeah. not distracted by any other thing and you can write those those uh, thoughts and you know i put like uh 
what do you call it? Things that uh, was giving me joy on this certain day or things that were taking away my energy. Mm. So you can kind of see what things were like to, to avoid and what things you can do more often. So there's, that's the one that I'm trying to start doing. I haven't, I did like a little bit of meditation, but I, to be honest, I'm not really sure if I'm doing it right. But as long as it's giving me calm, I feel like it is. Um, so yeah, a little bit of that stuff. I think for me, man, like I'm not a very um, literature type of person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a reader. I'm not a writer. Um, <laughs> but for me, I think the thing that gives me that kind of, um, I guess, thinking back reflection as mm. well is is I like to converse with people. I like mm. to, me and Jasper have all these talks all the time and just like we just like talk about random shit. Yeah. Like it's, it's really good because like it's it's good to have a different opinion. But on top of that, it's also kind of not only talking to people that I'm close with, it's talking to other people mm. out there who, and I, and I brought this up last time, who want part of your diversity quotient mm. or your DQ they're not part of your diversity group. So mm. I'll take people who, um, for example, I've got one workmate. She's um, 40 years old and she's a really good technical mentor to me mm. because um, she's grown up in a world where she's been working for the past 15 years in an engineering um, field. She's seen the field kind of grow from being super heavily male oriented mm. to kind of getting that more diverse um, kind of um, balance. Yeah. But even still now, she kind of, when, when I have a chat with her, um, there's some, some times where she was talking about um, even in some meetings where she is the most knowledgeable, you still have people questioning her and she feels that they're only questioning her because she is a female. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And it, it kind of like puts that into your perspective of like, oh, wow, like, have I never felt that because I'm a, I'm a male, I'm a man? Have I never felt these kind of things at work because I don't feel, what's the word, intimidated mm. by them? Um, maybe just because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but like I think, and the thing is like, it's really disheartening to kind of um, hear that from her because she's she's like, she's 10 times smarter than I am. She's like, I see her, her work practices, her work ethics are really, really professional and mm. She's someone that I like to grow into. Mm. Um, but yeah, but that's um, back to the question. That's kind of one thing that I like to do is kind of just like talk with people, talk with different people mm-hmm. and kind of get their understandings <clears throat> of certain situations. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it, the other thing is just like, it, it's, it goes back to my, my top priority, which is always going to be family and friends for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I've learned in the past um, three, three, five years mm. is that I'd rather have a smaller circle of friends, small circle of family, mm. rather than be that popular guy um, who just has hundreds, thousands of friends. Because yeah. mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, man, like I think about if I were to die, who's going to be there? Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I've realized recently as well. It's your point is your practice and your reflection is through connection. Mm. Right? And that's really important for you. Um, I'm obviously much more introverted than you. I, I recharge just by myself, mm. <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, but connection is really yeah. important to, to have and talk real shit, not mm. just the superficial, but to be able to dig through and and be courageous with what you share mm. as well. And it's, mm. it's, it's definitely not easy. And, and that's why whenever somebody does share something vulnerable with me, I thank them for sharing, yeah. right? Because it, it 
takes it takes courage to do mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to that topic of vulnerability. Like a lot of people see vulnerability as like a weakness. And for me, like one of my coaches is like one thing I see in you, your strengths. Because I'm like, I don't know what my strengths are. It's like your vulnerability. I'm like, because mm-hmm. I can be just open with people. And that's how I build my connections with people is mm-hmm. being vulnerable with them. And usually when you, you're vulnerable, people are inclined to be vulnerable to, the, to you too mm-hmm. because you, you've let them into your space. You've let them into your, your area. Mm-hmm. Um, was your, you know, how were you able to become vulnerable? You know, it's pretty hard to do so. It is. It is. And I've one experience really helped me become more vulnerable Mm. so when i was in india january 2020 Mm -hmm. right just before before the pandemic and everything just before the Mm -hmm. pandemic so this is the story where i cried for the first time in 10 years Mm -hmm. right i've for some reason been unable to do so i went to my grandpa's funeral and my auntie's funeral maybe a couple of months before that or a year before that and I I found myself with dry eyes at the funeral and and at the cemetery and I'm like what the fuck's going on is there something wrong with me like I I can't physically cry and I thought that to be yeah something was wrong with me and 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 that was very it's not a good feeling right (laughs) if you think you're broken and all that um but in Goa, it's 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 a very hippy dippy place, if if you want to call it <laughs> that, right? So uh, I went to uh, an ecstatic dance festival. So ecstatic dance is movement in meditation with a DJ playing some tribal music and and different kinds of music to kind of get you into that space. You, it's like a rave, but there's no talking, there's no shoes, and you talk with your movements. And you dance and the idea is that you move and you continue to move. And, and um, it's based off different maps and uh, concepts from this lady called Gabrielle Roth, um, who, who does the five rhythms. So I, I was lucky to find this practice because it allowed me to move, allowed me to get into my body, out of my head and express myself mm. freely, right? And... I was able to shed demons <laughs> through there. So uh, on day three, we had a cacao ceremony where we drank cacao chocolate that was made uh, in a ceremonial fashion. And there was a hundred people in a, in a big circle and we, they got a ladle from the big, big pot mm. and then put it in a cup and then we all passed it around. So each and every cup, was, was handled yeah. by each and every person, mm-hmm. right? And and I can see the the holiness and and the vibes. You could say as you pass a cup and and you want it, you wish the best for whoever's going to consume it, and it's it's very careful. So you put a lot of love into it, and there was a lot of love that was cultivated there. Mm-hmm. And they introduced the space. They said, look, this is the five elements. You've got candles. You've got people playing the north. Um, Native American flute and and it was made very special right and as I was dancing I was moving I've never shaked my body that hard like I let go completely and I was like a demon possessed Mm -hmm. but at one point 
I was looking at the ocean and, and given it was January 2020, Australia was on fire. Mm-hmm. And that was terrible. I, everybody felt helpless during that time, right? And, and one of my best mates was in hospital as well. And he had been in there for, for a month or two mm-hmm. by that point. And, and, and all, all I was doing was, was looking at the ocean or standing up and, and just wanting to receive that energy and, and pray for rain. And so the rain did come, but it came out of my eyes. <laughs> right? And, and I just let that happen. Right. I, I was like, oh man. And I crouched on the floor in like a child's position and somebody w- was around there as well. And there, there are they're called space holders because this type of practice and movement does bring up a lot of emotions as well. So they're there to make sure that you're okay and, and to be a, a steady hand and a, and a shoulder to lean on. And as I was crying, I just let myself sob and mm. <laughs> felt very foreign. I'm like, oh shit, what is happening? This is crying. Oh man, cool. <laughs> and, and it just came out and, and their hand was just on my back saying, it's okay let it go and then yeah. i tried to turn back to to face them to thank them and they're like no so that that anonymous hand that was there has has been very impactful for me and ever since that moment i've been able to to share a bit more mm-hmm. right and i guess society these days we're all in the mind and what we can achieve but we forget about the body and the feelings that the body holds as well. So that's what I'm going to do with my new yoga mm. um, course. So it's a hundred hour course in trauma informed yoga, and oh. it is bringing embodied uh, somatic pre- practices mm. so that you can come back into the body, feel release. And then what that should do is, I don't know, lift your spirits and, mm. and help heal you and help allow you to mm. to be yourself with without judgments from society. Mm. Man, thank you for sharing that. Like, I really feel it in my heart, like your experience. Like to be in such emotional incarceration for so long, to not cry for 10 years, that's crazy, man. Yeah, and I told JP this story like <laughs> as soon as he got to India, mm. right? And... And he's like, oh, what the hell? I cry all the time. Or mm. my mate Shirky's like, oh, yeah, I cry all the time. I'm like, what? Yeah. what? I didn't know that. Like, I've just been probably suppressing this mm. this whole time and, and just like stuffing it down mm. layers and layers deep. And it, if, if you want to go back to generational trauma, it's because my my old man is, is never vulnerable, mm. right? He doesn't show any of his emotions. And, mm. and I find that Asian dads can be like that, right? Mm. Very mm. stoic, very... Mm, if mm. he lets out his frustrations he might just like try yeah. and slap you or something but you don't <sighs> i've thought about this and the range of emotions is very small and, mm. and very like what he wants to show right and mm. it's it's probably the same from his old man yeah and my grandpa my great grandpa or something like that right so um and that's just through my observations of my family but mm. as i look around as well like with the whole world's been war torn for, yeah. for ages. Uh, war has has shifted and and made people move. Mm. Like World War Two, 
um, would have been all the Italians and um, Europeans moving around, escaping mm. from Nazi Germany and and the like, right? And um, a lot of them would have come to Australia and all the kind of diggers of the Vietnam War. And, and you go through war and, and you experience that kind of trauma and you stuff it down as yeah. well because that's what men do. Men don't cry, right? Exactly. <laughs> and... And yeah, it's just, but you can feel the shift in society, right? It's, mm. it's okay to be vulnerable, but at the same time, there is, I also think there's a time and place to, to process it or as well, not to just dump it on everybody because vulnerability is okay. But um, look, it's, it's obviously a very personal thing. Yeah. So it's, it's really up to the individual, how they want to share it and, mm. and share their own story. Mm. And, and when you talk about that stuff, like the one in terms of like what, what you just said in terms of being able to the time and place for that, one of the things that I find about um, when you are ready to be vulnerable and when you are ready to kind of tell your stories to ensure as well that mm. that person receiving that story is also ready to receive it. Mm. Sometimes um, mm. it, it's hard when you want to share something really like really heartfelt. You trust this person. It's a really mm. open space yet. If you go to them and tell their story, they might just go back and it's like, mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. The, the, that yeah. range of emotion that they get. And mm -hmm. then it might not be something that you're expecting as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But also it, it could also be something where you want to share something with them. And they're also in that state of kind of depression or anxiety or not in a really, um, they're, they're kind of like not, not mm. well. Um, and, and it might kind of, lead them to be more like, oh, if this person's feeling the same way that I am and he's, he's uh, kind of like mm. a role model to me or a mentor to me, mm. Mm. what am I worth now? Like that, that's why sometimes for me, I find that, yes, it's good It's good to be vulnerable with certain people, that time and place one is not yeah. really big. Mm. Um, but sometimes it also scares me because it, it also, if that impacts someone in a negative way, it's like, fuck, is, is that on... Is that mm. what yeah. Mm. What do you mean? Impact them in a negative way. So, so like I said, if someone's like, um, if you're kind of like in a, 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 a I'm trying to put it, what's the word like. So you're meaning you're emotionally dumping on them if yes, they're not yes, ready, and correct. you're just expecting them to take it all on board. Yes. yes. And it's just like, oh shit, yeah. you just dumped all this shit on me. Yeah. I'm gonna go deal with it, right? Mm. Kind of. Yes. Yes. Because exactly. it's it's a release for you, but the other person's like, oh shit, shit I caught I'm, the ball. What do I do yeah. with this now? Oh, yeah, I have a back. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll tell the story where I had this mate who, um, he he went through. Um, bone marrow transplant so he had mm. some form of um i don't remember what the disease was called but he needed a bone marrow transplant and what a bone marrow transplant does is that you have to have um what is it radiotherapy is it radiotherapy um chemotherapy kind of thing where mm. you have to kill all the bone marrow inside your body before they can inject you with a bone marrow transplant mm -hmm. so he came from a pretty decent pretty healthy good looking guy to when i first met him i was like I was like shocked. Yeah. I was like, what mm. the hell? Who is this guy? Mm. He's some like six foot five, brittle guy, no hair on his head and no hair on his face. Mm. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I heard his voice and I was, I've never been so just dumbfounded. I was just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
And then from there, so he, of course, he's been recovering for the past two years to be a bit more healthy. Um, and it came to a point where I was just having a chat with him. I'm having a, um, I think we were just out after work, um, post-work drinks. And he just came up to me. He's like, man, like, I don't know what I have left in life. I'm, all I care about is work. I don't have a partner. I'm living by myself. And this is a really close mate. So like, I was like, what my head being an engineer what can i do mm. what can mm. i do how can and i then, help you solve yeah. this problem <laughs> and, and it came to it where i'm just like i started feeling helpless mm. i'm like mm. every day i worried is this guy still alive mm. and like it, it kind of made me feel really down about myself increase my stress because not only did i have to think about myself and my problems that i was having during that time but it was also him who I had to start thinking about. Mm-hmm. I think with when you're when, when you're the person receive receiving that advice, or that sorry, that like they're they're being vulnerable with you, you have to be very stable emotionally mm. for yourself because mm. yeah, like you said, like when you're telling your vulnerabilities or your, your like um, your stories to them, they they take it on board as well. They're, they're also going to be worried about you because mm. obviously they don't want you to, you know, mm. you could have that same worry. Mm. So, yeah, like psychologists, you know, like <laughs> when we were listening to that podcast with um, Joe Rogan and how they, they're they getting emotionally, um, they're getting dumped. Yeah. Like all this negativity you hear mm. all the time, but who's like they they them themselves need psychologists to like listen to them and mm. their all the issues they're going through as well because they're just receiving all this yeah. thing yeah so yeah i think it's also hard because i guess as males we always want to fix like we want to be the yeah, ones that yeah, yeah. problem solve Mm-mm. at the end of the day the harsh reality is Mm-mm. it's not a responsibility Mm-mm. like as much as we want to help people sometimes there's a limit to how much we can do and sometimes all we can do is support. Mm. And whatever mm. that is, I don't know. It's up to you how much you want to support someone. Mm. But like, let's be honest. Like, I have no obligation to help you. Mm-mm. And you have no obligation to help me. Everything I, I, I do, if it's out of love, you don't have to do that back for me. Like Mm-mm. I'm doing this because I want to, right? Mm-mm. It's hard. Especially if you have mm. you're going through a certain situation, you're like, I want to help this person. Mm. I want to do more, but at the same time, you have responsibility for your own life as well. Mm. It's hard, man. It's hard, mm. and it's, it's a tough subject to talk about mm. because sometimes our resources aren't enough to help everyone we we want to help. Mm. Yeah, we can only really do as much as we can. Yeah. And unless the person is saying directly, I need help, yeah. sometimes they're just there to say, to have someone to listen, like, oh, yeah. okay, I'm going to be vulnerable because I know this person I can trust. Mm. So they they say it because they trust this person. And it's just not really to ask for help, but, but just mm. more to have a, this unloading of things. Yeah. Because when I, you know, when I came to you guys before that one time and I emotionally dumped my, yeah. my stuff, I wasn't really... Because I, I wasn't really looking for answers or anything, but just to have someone to like, know, like, oh, you got to be okay. Now we're here to, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. you need, you know. Mm. And that was enough for me to be like, okay, I can start standing up on my feet mm. again, yeah. mm. you know. 
So it's just that. You know, it's it's just that good feeling that like you have that support group, you have that mm. those people to go to. Because I think for me especially, that's that's what I really enjoy about like the close my my close some circle of friends mm. is that mm. I'm able just to say, hey, you're not going to judge me for the dumb shit that I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I do a lot of dumb shit. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I'm able to go to you guys and just say, here's here's what I'm feeling. Here's yeah. here's what I need. Um, mm. I just need a shoulder to listen to yeah. and I know you guys mm. will be there listening. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Like my missus was telling me yesterday, like it was a weekend and her boss was like on her, her ass about something at work and she's like, mm. you know, sometimes all I need is just to just rant to you and for you to just say, that sucks. Mm. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to say anything else, just listen. It's funny you say that because like, and this is where I talk about growth. This is where we, let's go back to growth. That <laughs> back then, like um, me being... Like I said, I'm always gonna say I'm me being a problem solving type of person. I'm an engineer. I want to solve problems. Yeah. The same thing happened to me where my missus would be coming to me for problems, and I'd be like, "Oh, but you can do this. Oh, yeah. but but how about this? How about that?" And it came to the point where, and I, I, me, I was just probably ignorant about it. But she just told me, it's "Like sometimes I just want you to listen," yeah. mm-hmm. and I'm just like, "She, yeah. <laughs> true, man." <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, takes so much energy yeah. as well. But mm-hmm. you have to be so attentive to what's being said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, what should I say next? So, you know, what yes. was, mm-hmm. how can I help this person? Sometimes it's just like mm-hmm. focus all your attention mm-hmm. on that person. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a skill in itself. It's mm-hmm. the ability to hold space, yeah. to listen but not respond. Exactly. Mm-hmm. To to just be there, yeah. really, and, and just being that grounding presence that, the other person is is seeking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or everything is easier said than done. Yeah, right? Because is, is. when when somebody is coming to you with their problems, me and my natural instinct is like, all right, how do we fix this? Yeah, right, yeah. Oh, what can we do? All right, okay, you've told me this and I've got this angle. And yeah, mm. but again, just need to listen to. Mm. Exactly. Mm. <sighs> Some heavy shit. <laughs> I was like trying to take everything in like all the stuff we're talking about like we haven't had these type of discussions in a while Mm. yeah but i think it's like necessary for us to do this Mm. it's good to like it's good to get different perspectives of what other people think like i've been here too many times guys man (laughs) 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 i feel like everyone knows stuff that i'm gonna say (laughs) yeah but back to writing it's Mm. it's a way for me to become vulnerable Mm. as well right so back in the day because i've been writing for and and journaling for like eight years now right and i'll tell you a good thing about it i can i can look back in my records and look what i thought about every august for the last eight years (laughs) and understand what my mindset Mm. was at that time what i was feeling maybe what i was doing what i ate who i met it's it's very powerful right and and you can observe your growth that way and mm-hmm. back then i can't remember what topics they were but it would be hard for me to admit certain feelings right and and hard for me to release that even into words to myself mm. right because sometimes your ego protects you and and you kind of lie to yourself just to to protect your feelings and and protect uh negative feelings from coming up but mm. then I think over the years, as you mature, as you understand that not everything is out there to kill you and it's it's okay to 
talk real shit with the boys yeah. as well and then you're not going to get judged for that then it gets a snowball effect so you get more confident mm-hmm. in, in being able to do this you get more confident in being able to hold space for others and, and share yeah so yeah writing for me has mm-hmm. been like so so key and and so important in my introspective yeah, practice for sure mm-hmm. like one thing i realized the past 12 months is that you talked about how you you focus on your body your mind and like meditation and stuff like mm-hmm. that to create alignment um one thing i realized doing like the the challenges that i've done like the running challenge and then mm. going through a lot of different struggles and stuff like that forced me to really reflect on my life and one thing i only realized recently was that that unified body the mind body and the soul like it's so important for us to align those three together and you know find that balance and harmony between those things so what i was doing for my body was working out doing something hard every day so like really you know doing those pull-ups push-ups going for those runs and putting myself in those difficult situations and then coming back and reflecting on who i was as a person and like really digging deep into my soul and for me that was looking in front of the mirror and just talking to myself Hmm. like building my own relationship with who i was yeah because sometimes i feel like we're so focused on the relationship we have with everyone else and the connections we have with everyone else how often have we had that relationship with our own self Hmm. so what put me in that point was reading a book called the high five habit and something as simple as just high-fiving yourself in the mirror can create such big impacts on your life at the start of the day. Mm. Like, it's hard for you to say something negative about yourself when you're in the action of doing a high-five because a high-five is associated with encouragement and, you know, congratulations. And I know it seems stupid. because no, it seems it, awesome. Even for me, when I first started doing it, I'm like, why the hell am I doing this? Mm. But then you smile at yourself. It's like, mm. you know, like, it feels good. It's beautiful, yeah. And then that got me to really talk to myself. And I have prompts on my mirror and it has stuff like, oh, how are you feeling today? What changes do you want to make? If you don't make those changes, what is your life going to be like? Mm. And really being honest with who I was, you know, and sometimes it gets really vulnerable mm. and you're like, shit, like, oh man, I'm going through these thoughts and really trying to figure out everything and finding your values, mm. you know? So yeah, like that was, for me, that was like my journey in such a short period of time, but I feel so much happier now knowing I love who I am, but not satisfied where I am. Mm. Well, at the end of the day, we as in your own self and your own internal self, you're stuck with yourself for the mm. rest of your life. Yes. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Everybody yeah. else is temporary if you mm. if you want to think about it that way. Yeah. So being friends with yourself and then cultivating the the grounded spirit or or just simply put being friends with yourself yeah. is, is a very important thing exactly. which we are not taught to do mm. at all, right? We all are taught to to help others and all that. But it comes back to to help others. You got to help yourself exactly. first, and and mm. it's it's a common thought. And of you're on an airplane, and the oxygen mask comes mm. down. They teach you to fit yourself first before yeah. you help others. Because if if you're if you're <laughs> if you're suffocating, you can't mm. help anybody else. Exactly. And it's as simple mm. as that. So, mm. as selfish as it is, 
it's it's what we got to do mm. and that's that's some of my guiding principles mm. i want to be so damn fucking good exactly for myself so mm. that i could help others yeah mm. it's like this course like you have to be selfish so that you can be selfless mm. it's starting with yourself Whew. damn man Let's wrap this up. Yeah. Let's bring this baby into landing. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. I guess, do you want to do the three questions? With, oh, um, yeah, let's do the three questions. So three questions. What are you grateful for? What have you realized? And what is a question you want to ask yourself or the listeners? What am I grateful for? I'm grateful for a lot of things. And mainly for all the experiences that I've had. And mm. I'm, I'm grateful for myself to push through certain decisions like quitting my job or to, uh, to, to leave Melbourne and give yeah. and go on an, an adventure and journey. So I, I thank myself for, for making those decisions to seek change, to seek adventure. My realization, I'm going to reuse what I realized about, mm. um, my double refugee kind of upbringing mm. right because that's there's a lot there and i'm continuing to process that and yeah. that's it's going to take a lifetimes of work yeah right mm. but being appreciative for for what's happened as well because i can't change that mm. and i've got stories to tell now and mm. i've got um so that trauma that my family has, it 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 allows me to connect with others through through their trauma, uh, their trauma potentially, mm -hmm. and it gives me, I guess, some lived experience to to, I guess, help others. Yeah. So yeah. the last yeah. question is: What is the question you want to ask yourself mm -hmm. or people listening? The question I've been asking myself this year is. Who am I? Mm, the biggest one. and greatest mm -hmm. question yeah. ever. That's mm -hmm. it, right? That's It'll it. take you a lifetimes, many sure. lifetimes to, to answer that one yourself. <laughs> so have fun. <laughs> exactly, man. Mm -hmm. now, I think we can unpack a lot more and, yeah. you know, talk about a lot more different topics, topics and subjects. Mm -hmm. It'll be good to have you on again and see where our growth journeys have taken us. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. Where can people find you, man? Uh, I'm on Instagram, Lime Nugan, L-I-M-E-N-U-G-E-N. That's it. Man. Awesome. Did you want to shout out your the yoga practice, the, the places, and where, where can they... They find you teaching. Find, find your teachings. <laughs> your teachings. Uh, yes, I am teaching a community class on the 12th of December at mm. Assembly Yoga. Yeah. So that's in West Footscray. So it's going to be my first time teaching in a proper studio, right? So yeah, you're awesome. all invited. Um, it'd be good Let's to go. see you guys there. Let's go. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, I'm excited, a bit nervous, but <laughs> it should be fun. It should be a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome stuff, man. Thank you guys for listening. And always remember to get up. Peace. Laters. Yo, yo. This is the end of the Akira podcast. Podcast, 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 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.